And we're live. We are live. G'day, yeah, everyone. My name's Craig or Crafty from Craftworks Distillery, and this is Aussie Craft Distillers shooting the shit. Uh, for those who the unique way of doing the um, the intro with you yabbering away the whole way through it. Was I? Mm. I didn't know it was. All right, we'll, we'll talk about yeah. the we'll talk about the uh, learner play. Now that the intro is finished, you can now do your spiel. All right, okay, start again. All right, so yeah, for those who don't know, Aussie Craft Distillers shooting the shit. What we do is we talk to people in the industry, um, like-minded souls, and hear their stories and what they're up to, where they're going, etc. So. Tonight, uh, we're very lucky. We've got um, the two Adams from Adams Distillery in Perth in uh, Tasmania. How are you, lads? Yeah, good, Crafty. How are you? Good, yeah, mate. Good you're looking like you've just had a shower, Adam. You're looking, you're looking oh, pretty clean there. I did, mate. I did. I had to make myself beautiful for you. Yeah, well, I'm the, I'm the complete opposite. I'm I'm covered in crap not not so long ago. And for those that are wondering, why am I sitting in a bathroom and doing a, a podcast out of the bathroom? This is not a bathroom. This is actually my home away from home. This is a caravan. So uh, the back of the shed, this caravan, it's uh, a uh, a a line, and uh, yeah, my home away from home. And sometimes it's Todd's home away from home. Isn't it, Todd? Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Depending on uh, on who you're on the out with, is it? Sometimes it's easier in the middle of winter to sleep in the van than in a tent out the back. Who, uh, right. who holds the covers the most, though? <laughs> oh, no, he has his own bed. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> my own bed. All right. Okay, so um, yeah, so we've got the two Adams on. We've got uh, Todd, who's uh, on the helm of the IT side tonight because unfortunately Luke uh, couldn't make it, um, had to pull out at the last minute. And uh, so Todd is on his learner plates. So bear with him, bear with us, and uh, we'll see how we go. But I'm, I'm sure we'll do well, won't we, Todd? No, oh, we will. And apparently it's someone's birthday today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, little Adam on on uh, Tuesday. Oh, really? Yeah, little Adam's nearly become grown up, Adam. <laughs> I don't know, mate. You're starting to get a bit of a uh, bit of grey in that beard, there, mate. You must be close to forty. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> close to forty. Mm. That's scary. Yeah. Isn't it? that's, that's that's getting old, isn't it? I know. I'm not a baby anymore. I'm I'm catching up. <laughs> You're catching up. And Big Adam is 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 shrinking. You might have to he's change. Trying to. He's looking you're, younger. You look. You're looking younger, and um, yeah. When I don't have my glasses on, you look like Tim Duckett. When I put my glasses on, yeah, I I, I can recognise you. <laughs> All right, that's it. Thanks very much for tonight. I'm off. Thank you. Thank you. I'm off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy to leave with that one. <laughs> All right. Just, um, go around and. See what everyone's drinking tonight. Yeah, let's 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 do that. So, um, Big Adam, what's what are what are you starting with tonight, mate? What, what's your uh, glass? Well, 
Before, so I've actually uh, uh, gone back into the closet a little bit, and I've actually brought out our uh, Christmas release. That's our our Christmas bourbon release that we did at Christmas time. Very nice. So yep. That's what I'm on today. That's just a, a nice, cruisy little uh, uh, what are we? A little forty-six percent, hundred percent bourbon. Out of Maker's Mark casks. That one was. Very nice. So, yeah, wow. quite a nice little drop. That one. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Adam? What's it like? Well, I'm I'm actually sporting for first dram for the night. I'm sporting a, a Starwood, so I've got a Starwood tawny tonight. So then, as a second runner, I will bring out our classic Peter Shiraz. So we've got you know we've got our Peter Shiraz, which is something of a uh, special sort of release that we did, or not a special, but a um, an outstanding cask that we found that was pretty amazing. And uh, I managed to be lucky enough to get a bottle. I don't know how that happened, but you know, found one sitting in the cupboard. It's who you know, eh? Yeah, it must be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've got um, – I just grabbed something out, out of the cabinet. So very, very tasty. Ashling Distillery, Mark Burns, Michelle Burns uh, in New South Wales. And this oh, yeah. is the Apericast. Nice. Um, very nice. Very tasty, yeah. Very tasty indeed. And what do you got, Todd? Just for something a little bit different, I'm on rum tonight. So going Blackgate, the the most recent um, release of rum. Very tasty drop. Nice, very nice. Fifty-one. Hollingworth out at Mindurin in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not far from here, actually. Yeah, yeah. All oh, right, nice. cheers, guys. Cheers. Yeah. cheers. Yes, very good. Oh, I'd, uh, I'd like to know uh, anybody else who's out there, like if they want to type in what they're drinking, and uh, it'd be nice to see whatever what other people are. I saw uh, Lee and David were online, so yep. it'd be interesting to see what uh, what they're into. I saw uh, David was at Whiskey Week, and Lee was there too. But I saw David got a pretty decent haul uh, down there as well. So see if he's cracked into any of those. Right. Okay. Well, let's. Let's um, actually, that was, that was going to be the first thing I wanted to kick off on is, um, so yeah, Tassie Whiskey Week. Um, you're just coming off the back of that, aren't you? That was, what, last week? Oh, uh, yeah, it was. Um, but uh, a full disclosure, it's it, it no longer Tassie Whiskey Week. It's uh, Tassie Whiskey and Spirits Week. So everyone's included now. Tassie right. Whiskey and Spirits Week. Okay. All right. So that's, a, that's an evolution of it kicked off this year, did it? Uh, well, I mean, all spirits have sort of been included for I think the last couple of years, but uh, I know they definitely sort of tried to uh, to include uh, um, our uh, more pale cousins uh, um, a lot more this year. But it's yeah. definitely, it, I mean, it just has to be an, an all inclusive thing because I think nearly nearly every distillery uh, um, does something more than whiskey. There's very few that don't. I know Launceston Distillery doesn't. Um, off the top of my head, uh, in, oh, this is in Tassie. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you think of anybody else, Adam, off the top of your head, who doesn't do anything else other than whiskey down there? Mm, only, only guys like Overeem and Hellyers, and um, yeah, you know some of the some of the other more established crowds. But yeah, a lot of the small distillers are all uh, they're very similar to us. Where when they first began, there's a lot of distilleries that have now start up in startup stage, waiting for product to come online that that are doing gin like we did in 2017. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're doing gin. There's some. Um, well, there's gin. There's some ad, uh, absinthe was down there. Um, yep. 
I mean, wow. some of the guys, some of the, the guys and gals are, are, are ducking, are dabbling in some of the uh, um, the brewed spirits and, or well, not spirits, but some of the brewed products and bits and pieces, which is, which is pretty awesome. Um, oh yeah, Hobart whiskey. Uh, there we go. Oh, Lee White's uh, Hobart whiskey last rights. Oh, nice drop. Very nice. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, Taz Whiskey Week was uh, was last week, or Taz Whiskey and Spirits Week. Um, was fantastic. Um, big big week. Um, there was yep. just uh, events uh, all across the state. Um, we've got to give a shout out to Kate, um, who works for the Taz Whiskey and Spirit Producers Association. Um, she's in a, officially a part time capacity, but she absolutely was working her butt off. Um, particularly the last couple of weeks, but for the months beforehand um, to uh, help to organize everything um, and run nearly everything. Um, but yeah, it was a very, very full week. A lot of, a lot of participation, a lot of events on. Uh, see, we had, we had six nights in a row that we had things on. Um, one event that we had to ourselves, but we participated in group events across the other, other five. Um, but fantastic turnout. Uh, I think everything we went to was a sellout, wasn't it, Adam? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah but it's great. Well, I, don't, I don't know the numbers. I, I, I wasn't um, under as much pressure to do things as what you were. Did you actually attend a single event, Adam, or did I do them all? Uh, I was a guest at one of the events. No, that's right. That's right. Yeah, but did you actually speak at anything? I don't think you spoke at a single thing, did you? No, no. Oh, no. I was there in spirit. In yeah, spirit. there in spirit and just enjoying yourself. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I, I know that you like to have the table and, 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 and chat, so, you know, I like to not step on your toes. That's only because you're so short you can't see over the table, but that's all right. <laughs> there we go. Short jokes. <laughs> and here is the band. I was saying before we got online that actually I'm not sure that I'm little Adam anymore because you've lost all this weight. I think we're almost the same. I've put uh, on. Well, it's, it's when I start to borrow your jacket Wait, and I go outside plenty. that we're in trouble. Sorry? Was that one? I just said it's when I start to borrow your jacket to go outside that we're uh, we're, we're pretty much right, I think. Well, you we have lost over my body weight. Yeah, down about eighty kilos now. So. Oh Jesus! Yeah. Eighty yeah, that's kilos. Right. Yeah, down. Oh, I was a big boy. I was a big, big boy. There's uh, there's no two ways about it. So. And that was just in his left arm. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it's all good. Everything's front proportion, is it? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, uh, Taz, Taz, uh, Taz Whiskey Spirits Week was absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah. I mean, the highlight of the week is always, uh, well, in my opinion, is always um, the showcase, which was absolutely a, a brilliant location. Um, uh, what's the name of the wharf? Is it Elizabeth Wharf? Or, uh, Prince, or Princess, Princess Wharf. Yeah, Princess yeah. Wharf 1, which is right next to Salamanca. Brilliant yeah. location. I definitely hope they have it there again next year. Um, great crowds, um, good crowds uh, at, at that event. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I struggled to sort of really fault it this year. Um, definitely a few things that we can uh, improve on just in terms of um, uh, advertising. I mean, um, but that's that's through nobody's fault. It's just, uh, um, you know, you, you live and learn and, and you want to do things a little bit better. Um, but in terms of organising, Kate did a phenomenal job. Uh, the people that were helping Kate, I know the guys uh, from King Island, uh, Heidi and um, I think Shane uh, um, were doing a great job. Then you had uh, uh, um, Karen and Shane down at uh, 
um, the showcase for helping out as well, doing a phenomenal job uh, organising. Uh, you got Christy and um, John Jarvis, I know, helped out. Uh, uh, not so much. I don't know how much they were doing this year, but I know in the past they've helped out a lot. Uh, Chris Condon's helped out massively. Cam, of course. Um, all the sort of guys uh, um, involved in the TWSA. Uh, I mean, everybody sort of pitches in when they need to um, and, and helps out when they can. Um, and it just came together so well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, very, very happy with it. Um, so yeah, was it... I encourage it anybody just, to come down and do it. So was it distilleries organising things on their own in the framework of, of uh, Tassie Whiskey uh, Week or was it coordination and... Um, with the organisation and 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 working with others. Sorry, I didn't articulate that very well. I'm trying to I'm trying to understand it. It seemed very well organised. It seemed from social media there was a lot of events. There was a lot of collaboration. So was that organic or or was that? Um, no, was it, the, it is engineered. It, um, engineered. That's the word I'm after. Yeah. Engineered. Yeah. No, it is engineered. Um, I mean, uh, so TWSA. Uh, have uh, official events and then right. they have partnered events. So anybody can do an event. You don't even have to be a member of the TWSA, but you can pay a fee to be part of, of Taz Whiskey Spirits Week uh, and you can organise an event. So if you're um, uh, into hospitality, if you're into tourism or you're just somebody with a great idea, you can contact the organisation uh, and say, look, I, I want to do this event um, because I think it's going to complement what's going on and you can organize an event and that becomes a partnered uh, um, uh, um, a, or partnered event, partnered function. Uh, and right. then the TWSA for Taz Whiskey Week um, will have their official ones. Uh, and those are things like uh, there was a tour on Friday in the North. There was uh, some uh, meet the maker events in the South, the showcase, of course, just off the top of my head. Sorry. Yeah, Tandy's had the comedy night with comedians. Yeah, comedy night was a great partnered event. Yeah, Bluestone uh, had their Meet the Makers events. Um, I know Bill McHenry had a fantastic uh, dinner down at uh, McHenry's where uh, they did some stargazing down there. They have a phenomenal uh, um, venue down there, but they had dinner and stargazing and all sorts of things. I think Spring Bay did some great stuff on the East Coast. Um, yeah, so there's all sorts of really things. So, so basically... Uh, it is engineered to be a combination of distilleries doing their own things uh, and TWSA doing some uh, official events, but it's open to anybody. I know that um, uh, Katie Wade, who's with, uh, um, um, she's uh, Laurie's experience. partner from Transport Bridge. So, yeah, Taz Whiskey Experience, that's what I was trying to think of, thanks. Um, I know she was uh, going to be organising some tours, but I think at the last minute uh, she couldn't. Um, but uh, I know, she, you know, not not a member of the TWSA, but she had uh, every intention of organising some tours there. Um, so yeah, anybody can sort of really get involved. Um, you just got to, yeah, contact them and say, look, I've got this great idea for an event. You can pay your fee contact and do it, or if you're a member, um, yeah, you can, you know, like we did, we did uh, um, our own dinner on the Wednesday night uh, at Grain of the Silos, which was just a fantastic dinner where we we stepped through our history. We had a, we cracked open a bottle of, of first release. We cracked open a bottle of our peated port that did really well across 2020, 2021 with Jim Murray and World Whiskey Awards. And then we actually cracked a bottle of the peated Shiraz that Adam's got there just to sort of show people where we started, where we hit some pretty good highlights and then where we're going in terms of our products. So that was a fantastic evening there. 
um yeah so it, it's yeah it's anybody can sort of really get involved and you you would have had uh what two years where nothing really did happen so this was almost um like there'd be a lot lot more energy people just wanting to, to get together and imagine you had a lot of people from the mainland traveling over uh supporting it visiting and and doing the tours and getting around the distilleries and meeting everyone yeah absolutely absolutely um yeah there was definitely uh mainly mainland people were involved i mean 2019 was it adam was the only year that we didn't no 2020 sorry was the only 2019 year was amazing 2020 yeah. was nothing and then yeah, 2020 2000... was the only year we didn't do anything 2021 yep. we had a restricted week yeah it was it was it was very um, much moderated we were... by yeah by what we could do but the, this year, the northern end was um, a, a lot higher in, in participation with distilleries than what we'd had in the past. You know, right. we'd had a, a broad range of distilleries and distillers participating in events that in previous years would struggle to get two or three events happening in the north. So interaction with the public was better. But I think the, the large functions like the Spirit Showcase, there's a, there's a very dominant mainland um, attraction to it where we, we do get a, a great sort of visitation rate from mainlanders for that event particularly we we yeah. found that on on the saturday night there were so many people that were flying back home and you know wanting to ship product out and bits and pieces like that yeah yeah and, and what sort of I, I thought was interesting this year was i mean traditionally people from the mainland have associated the south of tasmania with whiskey and that and that's predominantly to, because you know lark and everybody uh, are down there where a lot of it kicked off um, thanks to Bill and Lynn and everything that they've done and, and carried on with uh, um, you know the next generation coming through with with uh, Christy and Jack and, and Jane going through with you know uh, carrying on over him and, and this sort of thing so they're into the you know second generation uh, distilleries and that's fantastic but what I noticed this year is that a lot of the mainland people actually came seeking um, distilleries and, and events that were in the north which is, you know, in the past has been a little bit harder uh, to, um, I guess, um, advertise and educate people that there are some fantastic um, venues up north. I mean, people knew, know about Hellier's, but to let people know about, you know, the fantastic things that we're sort of doing in the north um, has been a, a bit more of a challenge. But uh, I noticed that this year, yeah, there's definitely a lot more people knowing um, that, you know, there are there sort of fantastic distilleries all over Tasmania, uh, not just concentrated in the south. Um, which was great to sort of see that, you know, people were coming in, they go, oh, yeah, we're doing two or three events in the north, northwest, northeast. Then we're headed, sort of heading south instead of people just sort of flying straight into the south and, and uh, doing events down there. So I think the event's definitely going to grow. Um, I don't know how that's going to be controlled um, because, you know, especially with the showcase, you, you can't just sort of continue to have people coming in and um, oh, patrons coming in and just, and just drinking sort of open bar. So we're going to have to, um, uh, at the tastings, we're going to have to talk about that one. But um, I, I just think the event over the, the next couple of years is going to go from strength to strength, especially with so many new distilleries. Uh, they're going to have wonderful product, uh, not just whiskey, but just wonderful products coming on. Um, you know, we're very lucky with Heidi on King Island. She had some fantastic products that we were lucky enough to try at a couple of different events. Um, I mean, she's a wonderful uh, uh, innovator. Um with some of the things that she's doing, like so many different products. Um, uh, um, I mean, I, I, I definitely think she's sort of one of these people that her mind doesn't really stop. Um, and there's a lot of other people like that. Um, 
who I think are fantastic people for the industry. And it's great to see that these people are going to be coming through. We're going to see more and more of it throughout uh, uh, Taz Whiskey and Spirits Week. Um, so I think, you know, it might have to become Taz Whiskey and Spirits fortnight or month or something as we're sort of moving forward over the next sort of five to 10 years. <laughs> so, yeah. so when you guys started, um, when did, yeah, what, what year did you basically start the, your distillery? 20... Thing, was oh, uh, 1885. So, <laughs> no. yeah, that's when you were born. <laughs> that's a good story. Uh, no, uh, oh, you can tell us, Adam. I'm, I'm going to drink for a minute. Oh, look. Well, well, really, it it really began at the beginning of 2014. Um, right. 2013, Adam and his dad went to Scotland, and Adam fell in love with the whole idea of making whiskey, and so. The, the idea of making a Tasmanian single malt whiskey sort of evolved in his mind from that trip. Now, he, he thought he'd, he'd find some sucker to come through and do a heap of work for him. And, <laughs> and so he come for running free. to me. For free. And yeah, for free with no money to pay. Um, yeah. But it, it, after, you know, basically most of 2014 drinking, and, and this is the absolute honest truth, Every second Thursday night, he'd come around to my place. Would have McDonald's and would have Jim Beam cans, and would would talk. He would show me. He'd bring round sample bottles of whiskey. At the time, I wasn't a whiskey drinker. Um, if it wasn't mixed with Coke, I didn't want to know about it. Yeah. Um, and, and we would we would sit around and would give me some samples. I thought he was trying to kill me when he's giving me forty percent whiskeys and things like that. I thought, oh <laughs> bloody hell, this is poison. And uh, we would we would sit around and we did this for a long, long time, talking about dreams of what you could do with it, bits and pieces. And, and to start with, it was more Adam asking advice as me as a, as a qualified builder is asking for advice on how he went about setting something up. And yeah. at that stage, it was very small scale. It was it was it was going to be a hobby. He was planning on staying in paramedics at that stage, and it was going to be a hobby. He would go and take a drive somewhat like like you crafted where it was perhaps an hour or two hours away from home he'd go and spend a couple of days there when he was not working and and do that yeah before that even got to that point we'd sort of both talked about the realization of how more serious it could be and how we'd both wanted to be something a bit different so we we jumped on board together and so 2015 we actually had the inception of the company Yes. And we listed it all. We funded it with some money of our own and it was seed money. We literally put in $15,000 each and said, well, that's got to set us up with something. Mm. Whoa, we were so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, and there is a joke that Adam says all the time. If you, want to, if you want to end up with a large amount of money, well, what's the joke, Adam? It's something about if you, if you want to... Uh, yeah, if you, if if you, you want, want to make a, a small fortune small in whiskey, fortune, start with a large fortune. Yes. And yeah, set up a whiskey distillery. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it 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 comes down to a little bit of a, a a joke like that. But 2016 was the year that it all happened for us. So after 2015, we'd set up in in the middle of Launceston City. It, it just wasn't meant to be. We'd had some arguments with some disagreements with council when it comes to zoning and rules around what we could do in the location that we we're at. Um, it's, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, clearly. it's 
it's just one of those things that we just had to deal with. Um, and at that point, we were pretty deflated. I remember being on a on a job site and and talking to Adam on the phone, and we sort of almost accepted our fate of of failure, almost going, oh, well, you know what? Maybe it's just not meant to be. Well, I, I'd I'd accepted a job to go uh, work in London with the ambulance service over there. I, I had a mm. start date and everything was going to pack up and move there. Yeah, and then and then it it dawned on me that um, my so my wife's stepfather owns a farm out in Perth, where I now currently reside, and where of course the distillery sits. And right. I thought, well, let's let's go and and have a chat with Bernie. So he's a retired orthopedic surgeon. He's got you know four five hundred acres of farm property. I thought, oh, surely a little shed out there won't. The shed we're looking at in in town was only a hundred square meters. Again, how we were mistaken that we we're going to be able to do anything in a in a shed that size, I don't know. Well, um, we've, we've got a deck. So, so just a quick segue. How big's your shed, Crafty? One sixty. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't. I didn't want no, to go no, there. Too small. <laughs> I didn't want to go there, but I mean, we yeah, we did build our first shed. That that's was, all right. That was, I go there all the time. So there's. Well, we, we built a shed on the farm. It was 288 square metres, and Bernie did walk in and go, you're wasting my money. You're never going to fill this shed. And within 12 months, we were spewing at the seams with bags of barley and IBCs of neutral for gin and, you know, barrels and drums of molasses to make some rum and just everything everywhere. You, you were lucky to, to be able to walk in the door after about 12 to 18 months. So it's sort of just naturally grown and adam and i are very ambitious when it comes to what we like to do um, very impatient too. uh pretty impatient yeah we like with well rome wasn't built in a day but it would have been if we'd been in charge of it <laughs> so, <laughs> we might not have been able to do it all ourselves but we would have we would have bossed somebody around until we got there yeah. But I mean, it's, it's been a it's been a fun journey. But 20, 2015 and sixteen were really learning years. They were very right. much a lot of visiting other distilleries and and reading a lot. YouTube was great, you know. It was, but it, it was really the start of the distillery around twenty fifteen. Yeah, was well, a lot we, of yeah. We we spent time with uh, with Matthew Cooper at Fanny's Bay. We spent yep. time with um with Chris at Lark. We spent time with um. Uh, um, at Redlands. Um, oh, shit, his name forgets Dean. me. Dean. Dean. Jeez, Dean sorry, Dean, if you see this. Um, we spent time with Dean. Um, yep. But, of course, um, Tassie, of, of course, and I'm, and I'm only saying Tassie because I just don't know what the other states are like. But Tassie, of course, is a wonderful place that any distiller uh, at that time and, and even now, you could jump on the phone and ask a question. Peter Bignall was phenomenal for that. Um, so, yeah, 2015, 2016, we spent a lot of time um, sucking up as much uh, information as we could from as many people as we could. Um, but, yeah, Adam was right. In, you know, at the end of 2016 there, you'd start a production run. The first thing you do is put the two roller doors up, get in the forklift, unpack the shed and put it all in the car park before you could start anything. So it was it was getting pretty big. So, And you've, you've, you've been on a, a – you said Rome wasn't built in a day and if you were in charge, it would have. Um, it really does show because you've you've constantly been growing, haven't you? It, it's you haven't you haven't stood still, that's for sure. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we get we get our our steels from a company in Tassie called Steelsmiths, and um, they reminded us the other day that uh, steels are supposed to last more than two years. You're not supposed to use them for two years and then replace them. <laughs> so um, yeah, we've asked for a better warranty on the next lot. 
yeah. It seems that every two years we're putting in a new set. So, um, yeah. So. Uh, look, I mean, and our company motto, Crafty, is bite off as much as you can and chew like hell because it's it's what it's who we are. I mean, we, we love to go in. We love, love to, to jump in the deep end and just go berserk and, and it's all about action for us. So we, we get excited when we're, when we're mass filling barrels and getting excited, racking them up and, you know, seeing some exciting things happening. I guess we've, we've always had in the back of our mind that we wanted to grow. I'm not sure, I'm not sure when we are dreaming about setting up a whiskey distillery back in 2015 when it was really like, oh, right, oh, we're going to do something and what level we were dreaming about I yeah. think maybe we were dreaming about a level that we've already passed, but then the dreams change as you go on as well. So it, it's it's a matter of never really being able to catch the tail of the of the dog that you that you're following. And by the sounds of it, you both yeah. feed off yeah. each other. Yeah, you drive, you drive each other. Yeah, yeah. we do. Yeah. Feed each other, annoy annoy one another, something like that. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, it, it really is a case of controlled madness some days. So. Yeah. So what is, what is a typical day for each of you now? What what do you do? Uh, well, Adam's Adam's clinically insane, so he likes to start work at uh, what uh, about five forty five, pretty much every morning. <laughs> right. So um, that, he's, he's insane he, or smart. I don't know. Well, <laughs> so he get he gets a, he gets at least an hour to himself in the morning. I usually I usually come up to the office and and scare the shit out of him when. When I come in, because he's got I don't know, die straight screaming at the top of its lungs at at whatever time. But at 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 the moment, it's it's a little bit of a little bit of a um, I guess a uh, what a misnomer because it's not really a typical day at the moment because we're in a little bit of limbo. Yeah. Um, just while we're just waiting for the distillery to be finished. Um, so at the moment, it's a lot more. Uh, office work and trying to come up with ways to um, sell product and, and continue to grow the brand and, and that sort of thing. Um, but a typical day when we're sort of in production is, is I mean, we, we, we still like to get our hands dirty. We still do the bottling. We still do the labeling by hand. We still, well, when we're producing, we still would do the distillation by hand. We've, we've, We've never been beer boilers. We've always made our own product from from scratch to the point that we grew our own barley and would have it malted at Joe White Maltings and then bring it back. Um, this year, we'll be releasing our first estate-grown barley. That uh, the first round we did in was it 2018? We grew our first round. 2017, we did our first crop. Oh well, 2017. Yeah, our first estate release. Uh, our st estate new make actually come off the stills before the end of 2017. Yeah, right. That's right. That's mm. right. Yeah. So, so we've done we've we've done a bit of that. So, um, you know, uh, I mean, a fairly typical day is is pretty much everything. Um, Adam and I worked like a lot of us. We we worked for nothing. Um, so Adam was was building full time. I was still doing paramedics full time. Um, but luckily with paramedics, you work a four days on, four days off shift. So I was able to do a lot of things in my four days off. Adam would come and join me on the weekends. Um, much to to um, I think the shock and horror of his wife but she hung in there god bless her um and then uh um yeah we we didn't start taking any kind of money out of the business until last year was the first time we started taking money out um so we did what a lot of people do we just put in the, you know the love and 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 all the hard work up until a certain point and then we went right well we can start taking a bit of money out but 
we also didn't bring on any staff until last year. So we did everything ourselves. Um, you know, we, we shoveled out the mash tons, we swept the floors, we wiped down the cobwebs, we cleaned the toilets, we did absolutely everything. We attended the shows, we went to any fairs or markets, we went to board meetings, we filled the barrels, we, you know, picked the picked the barrels up, we dropped the barrels off at the cooperage, we, you know, we did everything and we loved every second of it. You know, like there's a I, there's a I lot of elements we were, that we still do. Well, that's it. Yeah, I, I mm. remember when we we only had the one sixteen hundred liter still, Adam, and we were, you know, I think you were coming over to take over the shift as, as you know as I was getting in the car to, to leave for the night because yeah, you know we were running running the big steel overnight. You know, it was running you know round the clock. So Adam was you know clocking in as I was clocking out because we were just tag teaming to run you know run the big steel. We we're just. That was that, that was because we uh, the reason behind that was because we uh, before even having the product made would committed to filling a three hundred liter French oak pork cask for our uh, grand opening of our distillery on the thirteenth of November twenty sixteen, and uh, we didn't have the spirit made yet. We got our our manufacturer's license, and then we didn't have a lot of time to make it, so we did two yeah. eighteen hour days straight, and, That's right. uh, and we had uh, up the skills and yeah. We got our manufacturing yeah. license and everything approved on the 28th of October, and we already had a, a party booked on the 13th of November to fill the first 300 litre barrel, and we had one still. So it was a bit of a hectic couple of weeks to make product. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, didn't get a lot of sleep in those couple of weeks. No, <laughs> but we got it done. We got it done, and and uh, and and the Godfather himself came up and um, and and, uh, and participated on the day, which was great. Um, it looked like so. it was one hell of a party. It was, it was, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, you came down and spent a few days with us as well. I mean, you remember the original setup we had? Yeah, yeah, um, I remember. Yeah, so I mean, we've always we've always enjoyed getting our hands dirty and, and being a bit full on. This new system will be a little bit more, a uh, bit more of uh, automation, but that's mainly for safety, but also for things like height. I mean, you know, we can't be climbing up, you know, ladders to be turning valves and doing bits and pieces, pieces. So you add some automation. But we're still going to make all the decisions by hand. You've still got to, you know, taste the spirit to make the cuts. You've still got to be, you know, measuring all the temperatures for your wash and and and, and oh, yeah, you know, I, taking I all think, your. I don't Sorry? think that the the level of automation that we'll have in our system and that any system that is in Tasmania, there's always that as long as you're still got the element of tasting the product and deciding based on palate. Yeah, and, and knows to make a cut. I think that's that's the genuine part of what we're what we're doing. I mean, you could have all of the button flashy buttons over in in the world. It it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that you make the decision based on what you're tasting coming off the end of that condenser, and that's that's the that's the most crucial part of our job. I, I am looking forward though to the self filling, self emptying, and self cleaning mash tun though. Oh yeah, I was going to say. So that, that would be <laughs> from world. Yeah, Crafty's waiting for that one too. Yeah. Am I what? I tell you what. <laughs> you've done well. To, you've done well to stick in there. We um yeah we we had our open top mash tun and we did become fairly tired of it. It was it, it, we don't as Adam said we don't mind getting our hands dirty, but when there's inefficiencies with doing certain things we then like to see how we can go about improving and and doing other things about it so that's hence why we've gone through 
uh, what, four upgrades in the past three years. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I still remember that first mash time we had was an 1100 litre milk vat that we got off an old uh, um, uh, farm in Montana. It was the, um, uh, the loaders farm in, uh, um, a dairy farm in Montana. It had, you know, nearly four foot high sides. We had to stand on a ladder to be able to get down and shovel it out. And when we finally bought a mash tun that only had like two and a half foot high sides, we thought it was the greatest thing in the world to be able to shovel out a little bit lower. But uh, yeah, you know, small sort of little things. And then we, then we, then we finally got a mash tun that had a uh, had a, a rake in it. We thought, oh my god, you know, all our Christmases have come at once because it had a rake. So. Mm. Where who built your first still? You, you mentioned Stillsmiths, but your first one wasn't Stillsmiths, was it? No, this one's you, Adam. Uh, so our very first stills, our our gin still and our big wash still, were designed by us and then basically welded together by my brother-in-law. So that was how we that's how we first come about from it. Um, and ninety percent of it was all done by my brother-in-law, and then we had Tazfab, so they had supplied us and so sold us all of our copper and rolled it all and laser cut it all for us yeah um, my brother-in-law john then went welding um now he's a, a fitter turner machinist by trade but dealing with copper was definitely something as as a more challenging attribute particularly to do in the um large concrete floored garage that i had at our previous home um it wasn't the greatest environment to be playing around with large, thick, heavy copper sheets, trying to get heat into it and weld them together, and trying to trying to learn what you're doing at the same time as as uh, trying to, to do a good job. Um, he he got you know maybe not ninety percent, but 80 percent of the way there. We then took it to Tasfab when it became a little bit more challenging for him, and he didn't have big enough welders and things like that. So we went to Tasfab. They had some guys there that had a bit of a crack. They finished off the stills, I think, Adam, but then we had trouble with yeah. the condenser. The condenser was was a challenging piece of work for us from the very get-go, just getting pipes to seal and getting welds to work and bits and pieces. So mm. that's when we actually took that to Colmark or McLean. Yeah. It was Colmark McLean Stainless up in – they had their Rochelle workshop at the time, and uh, we took it up there, and that's where the, the relationship first begun with Colmark. That was – that was a recommendation through George Burgess from Southern Wild Distillery. Yeah, so they were, they were just they were just forming Stillsmiths at the time. I think I don't yeah. know if they actually officially formed or they were just about to form Stillsmiths when we first approached them. But yeah, they were able to um, yeah to uh, to finish it off for us and and put it all together the last bit of it. But uh, yeah, then we've been with Stillsmiths ever since, and they have no intentions of going anywhere else. Hmm. And then you've also got the um, the cooperage side of it too, haven't you? Uh, that was a uh, with uh, Transwood. Hmm. Yeah. So so uh, that was that was kind of um, a bit of a stroke of luck. So um, so Transwood are their own own business. We'll just say say that up up front. But um, yep. yeah, they were looking for a sea change. Um, so they're from Bundaberg. So Dave Dave uh, um, I was about to say Dave Cooper. No. Dave, Dave Schmieder, uh, um, who started the business, uh, he started his Cooper's apprenticeship uh, back in about 1608. So uh, he's been around for, uh, what is it, about 51 years he's been Coopering, hasn't he, Adam? I think it is yeah, 51 years. Yeah, I think so. 
something like that. Yeah, 15 years old, he started working as a cooper at Bundaberg Distillery up in Bundy. And he's been right. doing uh, coopering ever since. He's 60, 66 now. So 51 years he's been coopering. Yeah. Uh, his son, his son Laurie, uh, has been uh, coopering now for 14 years. Uh, and then their do- uh, Dave's daughter, Mel, uh, she's now been involved in the business. His wife, Pam, uh, is involved as well. Uh, and then, of course, Laurie's uh, partner, Katie, uh, helps out a bit as well. But she also does her, her own uh, her own business and her own bits and pieces. But, uh, yeah, they rent, they rent a shed uh, in our compound. But those guys are just, one, they're absolute masters of their craft. Um, I've never gone down there with a question that they could not answer or correct me when I've gone down there clicking my heels thinking I know something they don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, they never turn you away. Anytime we've had a problem or a leaking barrel or uh, a query or anything, they either come up and give us a hand or they've got an answer or, I mean, they're just absolutely invaluable. But on top of that, they've also got um, the added tourist element as well. Um, yes. So, I mean, just to be able to have people, you know, come on site, um, and once we're back up and running with our distillery side, we'll actually have a bit more of a formalization of, um, you know, a, a distillery tour and Cribridge tour combined. Um, but, you know, we, we've organized many tours and, and um, they've, you know, done their own events as well where they've incorporated us and them. Um, but, yeah, to have those guys on site is just, yeah, I mean, it's just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. It's, yeah, I can't say enough about, you know, how lucky we are to have them there, so... You are indeed. We we actually had Dave and uh, Laurie on shooting the shit about six months ago. Oh, and fantastic! Yeah, it, uh, I've actually today I, I filled two Transwood casks, two rum casks. Um, uh, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, but um, I remember Dave was saying, you know, th- there's so much uh, that that Laurie knows that that he doesn't know because Laurie is, is is just constantly learning he's got a constant thirst for, for learning so Dave defaults to to Laurie sometimes on, on things which was really nice to see actually uh mm-hmm. two su- super passionate people um and Pam's wonderful as well and um yeah they um it's it's worked out well hasn't it, it definitely has the, the the sea change and it's worked out well with you guys and and as you said the the whole potential for tourism you know, the whole distillery cooperage you know from one end to the other uh experience so that'll be good absolutely absolutely if we could just get a malting plant on site we'd be right <laughs> so you're so you're growing barley so when you started did you did you hit the deck running and, and you had malted barley straight away or, or was it cattle feed for, for the first couple? Uh, so, I mean, we were buying in malted barley right from the start. Um, and then we put yep. we put in, so 2016, we bought in barley and then 2017, we put in our first crop. And straight half, off the bat, half, half of that good. crop, yeah, half of that crop come out as malt one standard, but half of it was only in a, in a, in a, shadowed end of the paddock did only come out as feed barley right yep yeah but it, I mean, it was a trial it was a trial for us we literally put in the barley and didn't do much to it how much how much you're putting down nowadays uh, uh well we haven't for the last uh, the last couple of seasons because with the distillery being out of action yeah we, uh, we decided not to put it in because uh 
we put in winter crops when we have. So yeah, the uh, the distillery accident was in February last year. So we didn't put one in winter last year. We haven't put one in winter this year. So we have every intention to put it in again, but it'll be winter next year. We'll put but it in. The, the, in in twenty twenty. We did two hundred acres. Uh, yeah, which oh no no we did two hundred tons. Yeah, but we we planted out two hundred acres of paddock. Did we? I don't know. It was on the other side of the highway. I don't know how much. It was. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Ton an acre is that good or bad? Uh, I don't ask your agronomist. No, a, a ton. A ton an acre is fairly fairly low. You actually want between three and four. Is it? I'm not what, sure. Acre, really? Wow. Okay. I'm not sure. Yeah. And you said you sent it to Joe White, and yep. then they they malt it and and send it back. Yeah. Yeah. So they do toll malting for us. So. Right. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, so we've got silos on site. So once it was harvested, went straight into our silos and sat for a dormancy period. Uh, and then yep. we just coordinated with Joe White um, through Bintani uh, to get a slot because, I mean, we were buying it in a full batch at a time. So it made no difference to their schedule, whether they were doing a full batch for us of their stored barley or a full batch for us of our stored barley. And then, and then Joe White's are only a 45-minute drive away. So... We just coordinated for our grain truck to to uh, load up the night before and park the trailer, uh, and then they just drove down, dropped everything off, and then picked it all up and brought it back. So it worked out brilliantly. You got it all there, haven't you? You got the barley, you got the bar- the barrels, and it, it's all in uh, in close proximity. That's it. That's it. Yeah, we're, we're trying to. So um, yeah, and then we try and sort of keep it fairly green. So um, you know, all of our wastewater gets treated on site and then goes back into the onto the paddocks as irrigation. Um, right. The vast majority of the barley either goes to cattle on site. So Bernie, who's our uh, who is a a, a, um, a business partner and shareholder in the distillery, uh, he's got what 150 head. Is it something like that? Yep. About 150 head of Angus cattle. Right. So they get a lot of the barley. But um, if there's any left over, we just you know, um, pretty much give it away or sometimes people come and buy it. Not much, you know, 10 bucks a ton or something I think they were giving us um, or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. But um, we'll have a lot more going through in this, in this new system, but um, it all sort of goes as feed or uh, uh, um, something like that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, we haven't, we haven't uh, gone down the avenue of drawing it out and creating spent grain biscuits out of it yet, but, you know, that might be in the in the restaurant to come that's when you yeah. get bored and you're looking for something new to do <laughs> that's it that's it yeah we should start a a, a bar a burley business add a bit of a bit of tuna oil or something and sell it to the fisheries uh, there's plenty of opportunities to do lots of things with spent grain actually so mm. yeah who knows yeah, we always will, open we will ideas have... if anybody out there's got an idea about what to do with uh you know two and a half tons of barley a day of spent yeah, grains. Well, yeah, that's right. No, uh, so, so Mike's asking, do we just sit on the grain? No, we don't. No, we find that the uh, the um, hulls uh, just give us too much uh, astringency. Um, so um, things like uh, um, barley tend to be a bit of a problem. We run on a generally seven day ferment, uh, so we just find it just adds too much of a tannic sort of astringency to the flavour. Um, to ferment on the grain, uh, so no, we we don't. We uh, we just take the nice sugary wort off um, and run it through. So, 
And you, you've tried a variety of recipes, a variety of mash bills, uh, different malts and that, and played around with yeast. Have you, um, are you still doing that or, or have you basically completed that and standardized on mash bills and, 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 and what you're doing there? Um, well, it's a, it's a little bit of a, um, a curse of, of expansion, really, because we do need two and a half to three tonnes of barley per run of our new system. So right. experimenting becomes a big task because if you're going to experiment, you've got to do at least, you know, 20, 25 runs of something to get enough heads and tails through to be able to sort of batch your new make to get a fairly consistent product to see what it's really like. So to do that, you're talking 50 tonne of barley. Um, so it's a, on the new system, it's a pretty big deal big to do that. Um, so we are uh, going to be fairly standardised in what we do moving forward. Um, yeast, we can still have a bit of a, a play. We are looking at doing, um, do you remember the name of the system, Adam? The, um, the yeast cultivation system? No, it's a ger German system that I had some information sent to me about, but it was, yeah, it would be able to cultivate either existing strains or even have a, a chemist come onto site and look at creating our own strain based on the farm. So, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Play around with things in that regard. Yep. And then hopefully from that, um, have basically a, a, a plug in system. And we've left room in the, in the distillery building, the production building to put that system in so that we can actually, um, uh, uh, pull off wash or wort straight off the mash tun uh, for yeast nutrient and then actually grow up our own our own yeast in the yeast cultivation system. Uh, and, and I mean, ideally, that would be great if we could have somebody come out, do set some yeast traps, identify a strain of a wild caught, uh, caught yeast and away we go with it. That would be great. Um, but I mean, that's a little bit down the road. Uh, Experimental-wise over the years, absolutely. I mean, I come from a coffee background. I've had a... Um, coffee wholesale business with some good friends. I've had uh, a cafe, I've had a Gloria Jeans franchise in the past, and we used that uh, to come up with our first grain bill where we used, um, you know, dark crystal roasted barley. We used the beechwood smoked and a pilsner in our first grain bill. So we had, um, you know, three grains there in the very beginning, and we ran with yeah. that for quite a while. So a lot of our whiskey that's still coming out now is that original grain bill. Uh, our Dark Angel that we released as a one-off barrel was a 50-50 blend of Dark Crystal and Pilsner. We've done peated. We've done different combinations of Beechwood smoked um, and and Pilsner. We've done our uh, estate barley. We've experimented with uh, spirit yeast, ale yeasts. Uh, the main one we ended up running with in the last half of 2020 was um, a combination cool. of champagne and ale yeast. Mm -hmm. It's called D53, so it was what? very fruity. Oh, D53. Everybody's going to yep. die now. Yeah. D53. Yep. But it's, it's very, it's very, it, it was, we were the first people in Australia to use it. Okay. So yeah. when, when, we, when we actually touched base with Bintani distributors and we actually said we want to try something totally new and something totally out there, and they sent the profile and we looked at it and thought, well, why not? You know, it had had great yielding, particularly with the fermentation range. So, you know, yep, we sorry. had a lot of trouble with our system with inefficiencies in heating and cooling, um, yep. particularly with with keeping the the ferments cool. Um, you know, summertime in a tin shed when you've got you know seven and a half thousand liters of wort fermenting away, it's it's not ideal. 
So the great thing about the Ish yeast as well is it was very similar sort of fermenting ranges to a to a rum yeast where you can go up to high temperatures um, without right. any, you know, without any yeah. dramas. And so that was one of the reasons why we did go for it. But then as well, the real fruity sort of, um, you know, the, the juicy sort of profile like it was a champagne. Well, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like towards the end of the seven-day ferment, you taste the, the, um, the, the, the beer and like within a couple of days of it, you know, about to finish out fermenting while it's just starting, starting to settle out the lees, um, it had an amazing Chardonnay kind of flavour, almost uh, almost like a green cider flavour in those last couple of days. Just absolutely incredible with those sort of champagne characteristics start to come through. Um, we loved it, absolutely loved it. Um, we got the, quite fin- the finish was like a sour beer. Yeah, it was. It really, really was. To the point we actually kegged it at one stage, mm. some often and, ca- and carbonated and kegged it. And that was quite good. So <laughs> tasty beer, was it? Yeah. yeah. Sort of couldn't almost. drink, couldn't you? Couldn't drink too much of it, but yeah, we did play around yeah, with yeah. it. It was, a, it was somewhere between 11 12 percent ABV. So, wow, that's a good uh, how many allows you think you're putting down a year of new make? Uh, so well, it, a lot of that will actually depend on, on funding. Just to answer that question, it will depend a little bit on funding. Uh, we, are, we do have private equity involved in us now. Um, our new system will be somewhere between one and 1.2 million litres a year of production if we're looking at a standard 63.4% ABV production. Um, that's running two shifts a day, seven days a week. In terms of how much we're looking to put down, uh, that will come down to a few factors of um, cask availability and cost uh, and how much of uh, um, funding we can generate through our private investors. Uh, that we do have ballpark. Well, actually, I don't ever really want to give a ballpark, to be honest, because we really just don't know. Because we're still we're still nine months or so away, um, which is a long time. Um, we don't know what the dollar's going to do. We don't know what the economy's going to do. Um, but it'll be north. It'll be north of, of you know hundred thousand uh, hundred thousand laos in the first year. Um, but we're hoping for quite a bit more than that um, if we can get the uh, if we can get the funding. Um, we've got uh, we've got the first three bond stores mostly built. They need a little bit more to finish off, but we've got uh, building approval for another twelve or eleven. Yeah, another another nine. So we've got enough to store one point two million liters on site. Yeah. So at the moment, but we've got we've got another thirty hectares of paddocks that we can also keep on building bond stores if need be. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, and this has been an active decision. Um, we, we, we sort of looked at the market. We looked at where we wanted to go and we really, really wanted to try, take Australian and Tasmanian whiskey to the world. Um, yeah. and one of the biggest things after talking to, uh, talking to some, um, some people, uh, especially some of the guys through, um, uh, uh, Australian Distillers Association, uh, um, was volume is key to take it to the world. So we made the active decision to seek out private equity and private investment to put in a system big enough that uh, we could, you know, have that capacity to lay down the volume. Um, so it's definitely not a hobby anymore um, in terms of capacity, but, um, you know, we, we've made that choice to, to um, I guess, compete in a different, in a different market, um, which I think is kind of good because, um, you know, it means that it, it actually sort of takes us, I guess, out of the, 
the craft market, so to speak. Like we're not trying to sort of, you know, go head to head with the, um, you know, with the, the smaller distilleries and that sort of thing where we're sort of there at the moment technically, but we're hoping within a couple of years we can sort of um, move out of that sort of market, uh, still be there to, you know, support everybody and and, and attend shows and go to uh, bits and pieces and certainly not forget where we've sort of come from, but to actively go out aggressively compete against the European and American uh, markets is where we really want to get our teeth into it, you know, and, you know, join forces with, um, you know, with, with the bigger players like, you know, Lark and Callington and, and Hellias and Starwood and Archie Rose and, you know, be part of the Australian conglomerate that's sort of hopefully going to take over the world, so to speak. We'd love to be able to to jump in with those guys and say, righto, you know, let's, let's really sort of, show the world what Australian spirits can do, um, but, you know, still also have a presence on the local market, the craft market, but but not be as concerned about, you know, um, the financial side of it. And and it's not something that we can skirt around. We are all concerned about the financial side of it, but we, uh, you know, we want to be able to sort of compete on that, that bigger side of it so that uh, we're not, um, yeah, not sort of fighting, um, you know, we're not fighting... Or to be blunt, not fighting your neighbours for shelf space and fighting your neighbours for the tourist market coming down the road. We've made that choice to step up into the the bigger markets, the bigger games, um, mm-hmm. which brings with it its own headaches. But um, that's sort of where we've decided to go. Um, in terms that's of certainly the- been a learning curve in, in our own state at the moment, in the state of Tasmania. So we, we keep going back to some numbers when we talk to our sales manager, Efren, and and the, the hardest thing that he's seeing in this state of Tasmania at the moment is there's, what, somewhat 80 distillers in Tasmania? 80 Nearly. now. Yeah. Well, uh, I, th- I think there's like 80 registered or something and 60 producing. I think I think that's a number that gets batted around. So, yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a few different numbers about, but, I mean, it was, it was said 60 there a couple of years ago. So when 80 was said, it was like, well, that might be the number. But even if you did say it was 60 producing right now, if nearly every one of them were producing gin and not many people produce one gin, they produce three or four. I mean, we've got five on the bar at the moment, which is in some ways as, as a realisation is probably too much. Um, but it, there's a lot of people that got more than that. Yeah. So on an average, there's probably there's probably 300 different varietals of, of gin from Tasmania producers right now that are trying to all compete for a Tasmanian section of a local bottle shop, all all fighting one another to try and get on the shelf. And that's kind of what we're trying to get away from because it's it's a really difficult market to be in. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean yeah. you in Australia in the in the, the more central Australian market Ooh. craft you'd you'd probably find that still anyway because the, the industry in Tasmania is growing. And the more it grows, the more the, the more you see that. There's definitely been a, a, a change in the last, say, three years. Um, I mean, when I, I started, there was 60-odd distilleries and there's now 440-odd uh, distilleries. Mm-hmm. And you go, 440 yeah. now, what, what's it going to be in 2023? What's it going to be in 2024? So mm-hmm. you can see there's a stratification of... of of the market happening and you you articulated it very very well that um you know the international market um there are people that that are 
let's see that's that's where where they've got to go and to do that they've got to have the volumes to support it and have the consistency of product so you have put yourself in in that in that lane that that's where you see your your majority of your of your future which is um yes so 680 someone has chipped in there the mix saying 680 680 that's the thing that's with presiding where adam said that we sort of decided to go down the international line it, it almost it was by choice but almost not an option at the same time because of our eagerness to grow yeah and and the way that we have expanded and grown our business we've become this this business that's somewhat a, a large business when it comes to what projected overheads we're going to be having over the next few years but we don't have the other supporting behind it to, to back it. So the only option is to really jump in the deep end, beef up the, the production levels, get some good product behind you and, and look at, you know, some international markets because you, you, the product that we need to sell to now survive and maintain might look like we're trying to, to, to swim on, on, you know, with all of the, the, the top top league fish but at the end of the day you, you kind of have to if you're going to survive once you once you grow the vicious beast mm. uh, it's it's been it's been something that we haven't stopped growing and, and expanding and changing since the day that we first set foot in the main building out there there's a lot that's yeah. now dragging on the system and so the only way to really overcome that is to now look at where would you have to go to sell the amount of bottles that we need to to now to keep the place honking along at, at, at a good rate. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, just, just from a personal point of view, I mean, this is my opinion, not, uh, not one of, of Adam Cecilia, but I mean, I personally, and, and you know, uh, uh, Adam Saunders may share the same view is I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that we have so many distilleries and so many options, so many variations, but That's it is good. a concern about how we do manage that. And this is where, if we're going to get political for a minute, this is where I think the federal government is falling down a little bit. Now, the Labor government um, are new. It's not their problem that they've caused, but it's now their problem to solve at the moment. But I do think the federal government needs to step in in some way. I don't have the answers. That's about as much as I can say about it. But I do think the federal government needs to step in in some way to help because... Uh, it's a phenomenal industry. It, it's something yeah, that understand. we've gotten into because we really, really want to be here. Um, I don't have the answers. I don't know what they can do to to get involved um, uh, or to help. I don't know if it's regu regulations. I don't know if it's if it's excise reduction, which of course we, we is a major issue. But um, I do think that you know the the, the vast uh, um, diversity that we have is fantastic. I mean, I was in WA a couple of weeks ago. We had um, some wonderful um, products after the conference um, that night, and you know, distilleries I'd never heard of, but the quality was just phenomenal. Um, you know, and every time I go somewhere different uh, on the mainland to be able to try all these different products and spirits I'd never heard of is just an absolute highlight of every trip that I take. Um, and I don't want that to stop, but at the same time, I don't have an answer for how we're all going to survive either. Mm. Well, yeah, no, I, I think I think um, trusting in just staying in an Australian market is probably where we would come unstuck. You know, I, I don't think not all of us can survive just by selling to one another. 
you know, there's there's not enough there's not enough streams of, of income there for us to do that. I don't I don't think Good we're more. all Australians are booze hounds, but we're not that big of booze hounds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, personally, I, I see I see their relationship with tourism uh, as as crucial um, for sustainability of, of of the smaller end of town for sure. Um, and a regionalised focus uh, is another thing. But um, yeah, as you know, as the numbers grow, there's there's more competition, um, and it's the world's changing. The the Australian craft distilling scene is is changing, and it's changing at such a phenomenal rate. That's that's the thing that I, I find quite credible. Um, so yeah, there's there's some challenges ahead. And it's it's up to the individual distilleries to plot their own path, isn't it? And absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I remember there, talking to um, to talking to somebody from um, I think it was somebody from the Endeavour Endeavour Group, the Dan Murphy's group, and they were saying that, uh, in particularly with gin, they said they've noticed in their own statistics um, that gin has kind of gone along the lines of sort of craft beer in that they're noticing that a lot of people are seeking out craft gins in the local area. And and what I mean, what I mean by that is that people are going to like regional Queensland looking for the local gin in that area. They're not going to regional Queensland looking for South Australian gin and that sort of thing. And they said that's becoming very noticeable in their statistics. Whereas the brown stuff, the 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 whiskey and and a little bit less the rum. People are still happy to seek a known product, a known region, nearly anywhere in Australia. So people are still seeking, uh, and and they by their own admission, um, when the Pinnacle guys and the Endeavour guys were, were visiting us, by their own admission, they still uh, Tasmania still has a fairly strong affinity with being uh, a whiskey state, um, and they found that people are still searching for Tasmanian whiskey across most of uh, most of uh, Australia. But yeah, the, definitely their gin uh, and their vodka to a lesser degree is ve- has become very, very regional and even more than regional, it's become local, um, which is good in one sense, but is a horrible um, hamstringing effect in another. When you're, you know, you're trying to sort of get a wonderful product made, say, in Adelaide, but you're trying to sell it into Queensland, it's such a tough ask to add that um, issue. Just sort of yeah. go, well, hey, you know, we've got this phenomenal, award-winning, beautiful product that we make here in, in Adelaide, just as purely as a fictitious example. Um, and then you're trying to sell it into a, a large outlet store or a large store across Queensland. They're like, no, you know, we've got five local gyms. We don't want uh, an Adelaide one. It, it just adds a, a really difficult problem. Um, to, to that sort of element to it. And again, I don't have answers. I've got lots of problems. I'll point out heaps of problems, but uh, <laughs> I don't have a, I don't have a lot of answers. I think another thing too, which, which is interesting um, development and we'll see how, what happens in the future is association by personality uh, whether it's in sports or, or celebrity status or or um, even a, 
a an upmarket bar decides to open up a put a, a gin still in their bar and and make the make their own gin. You're going to see more and more of that, and more and more uh, loyalty to a personality. For, so I use, for example, and, and this this is not in Australia, but uh, I find it quite fascinating. Is uh, Ryan Reynolds' uh, Aviation Gin in the US? Right? Bought into that company, very much bought his name into into the equation. Uh, didn't know anything about gin or anything, and that gin became, I think, it was one of the leading gins uh, in, in America, mm. right? And then sold it for squillions. Um, you're gonna you're gonna see more and more of that. You're gonna see more and more of of associations, I, I believe, of of personalities, celebrities, and that that are gonna go. I want my own gin. I want my own whiskey. I want my own this. I want my own that. And people are going to buy it purely on the name. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, <laughs> um, it's an interesting one. I mean, you, you do have, I mean, you're exactly right because you've got, you know, the rock Dwayne Johnson's got his tequila and that's become the number one selling tequila in America. You've got Kendall Jenner from the Kardashians got 818 tequila. You've got George Clooney. Yes. Has got his products. You've got um, uh, Shane Warne had his gin. Um, yes. You know, you've got all sorts of bits and pieces um, going on. I, I think it all depends on. It depends. I mean, if it's if it's purely somebody just putting somebody's name on it, then it's a little bit disappointing. But if it's if it's a, a celebrity or a personality that's actually involved like as in because remember um who was a surfer who actually owned and started one of the it was a bolter or one of the beer companies or something oh um, um yes 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 up in queensland um yeah see he, he was actually one of the founding investors mcfanning wasn't it yeah yeah that's right yeah, yeah right. Guy got, who got tangled with the shark or something like that um yeah yeah, so there was, you know, sort of something going on there. Like, I mean, he was involved with, as, in the very beginning as an early investor um, and and then they sold and, you know, it did quite well, but he lent his name and, and was involved with pushing the product there. Um, or if you've got, you know, celebrities who or personalities who are going to be involved in actually developing a product and it's not just whacking their name on it, but it's something that they're passionate about, then you know is it also unfair that just because they are a celebrity that they don't do a product like you because you see this all the time with celebrity uh, uh chefs when they bring out um products that they make you know you know they make you know uh, um sauces or chocolates or or whatever sort of products in the supermarket i mean that's their profession that's what they're passionate about and they yeah. put their name on it because they want to make it but it is something that they've made so it's, it's I'm, I'm going to sit on the fence with that one um, and and I'll be honest and I'll sit on the fence only because I do have my own sort of personal opinions on that one because um, I don't necessarily think, you know, all sort of uh, celebrity endorsements are bad. Um, no, no, I'm not saying that. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not saying you are. Yeah. Just my personal opinion is I don't think they are. I'm certainly yeah. not, not trying to imply that you that you do. It's, it, it, is, it is an interesting question because... You're right. We are going to see a bit more of that because as it goes back to the previous question about how, how people are going to sell their products and mm. as the market gets more and more competitive, people are going to have to find more and more ways to, to sell their product. And celebrity endorsement has always been 
one of the things. Just look at America. You know, you can't buy a shoe, a soft drink, a hamburger or anything without a celebrity endorsement. We're not there yet, but the potential is we'll get there. So, no. Well, I mean, Crafty, you, you, you mentioned aviation gin. Ron Reynolds, I think, sold his part in that for $300 million or something like that. Uh, I think yeah. it was something uh, astounding. He's, he's still, he, he has still got a percentage ownership. It went to Diageo, but he's got a percentage ownership still. It was more, in the hundreds more. of millions that it, that it was bought off him or, or, or part of or something like that. But but all I sort of tend to think in this in this whole discussion is I, I battled to, to pick out the bad sides of that. It, it sounds like that was a pure success story. Mm. Um, I've tried the aviation gin and I thought it was okay. But yeah. it... You know, at the end of the day, I think it's all based around the fact that it had Ryan, Ryan Reynolds behind it. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there's it's other products a good that are still moving. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, I think it's somewhat smart, you know, yeah. if, you can, if you can pull it off right. So there's, there's um, associations with celebrities that are done, that are, that are not pulled off very well. That's when you sort of think, well, okay, this that wasn't a, a great way to go about it. But if you look at a story like that, you think, oh, to me, it it it, mm. it looks like that went really well. Hmm. Yeah, if you, I agree. I mean, the, the aviation gin thing is is a major success story. Uh, mm. You know, Ryan Reynolds brought his personality into it. Uh, the advertising changed, brought in an element of humour. Um, and it was very, very effective. Very, very mm. effective. Um, yeah, no, it's just just an observation. Uh, that, that's all. Just an observation. No, oh, uh, it's, it's, a good, it's a good observation. It's a very important one to bring there, up. Too. There does seem to be a lot more of that um, happening and being planned and bits and pieces like that. And and it's not a surprise because yeah. it's it's now it it now looks like that's a well recognised marketing tool for a product yeah. that you can now get a higher sales based on somebody's name i mean if, well, you, if you can I mean, do that it's good marketing you, you've got uh you've got the two guys from breaking bad have their own tequila as well so <laughs> i saw that yeah. i read that the other day <laughs> yeah right yeah. yeah oh you got conor mcgregor's got his irish whiskey you've got um yeah there's all sorts of stuff. um the indian cricket uh cr there's indian cricketers are starting to get into the into the market there um yeah, I mean, basically, I think anytime there's going to be money involved with any product, you're going to see celebrity endorsements. But I think, I guess, what what, what sort of what I'm trying to classify or clarify, I should say, is there's a difference between endorsements and um, producing your own product. Yeah. Um, and this is sort of where I think endorsements are one thing. You know, that's fine. But I think when a, a celebrity wants to actually produce their own product because they truly believe in it and they want to stand behind it and get involved, then I think that's that's uh, a different story altogether. So Yeah, yeah, no, no I agree, I agree. Ooh. All right, let's change the subject on that. Um, so the world's opened up. Have you guys uh, hopped on a plane yet and been overseas? And if you haven't, is there anywhere you want to go? Is there as part of your ongoing? Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. What, what, what excites you with what's going on overseas right now? Well, it's funny. We were only just talking about this earlier on today. Um, 
we're, we've got a, a couple of different ideas about trying to, to head to um, Ireland next year for what is it, the Belfast Whiskey, oh, Belfast Whiskey Week. Yep. yep. So try and do that next year. Um, right. I've had some pretty good, pretty good reports come back from, from other people about how great that is to be involved over there. Yep. Of course, we want to we want to head over to the to the to the motherland to Scotland. Um, yep. That's that's been on our cards for a long time. Um, I've never been there. Adam has. I would love to go. It's just always been about well, when do you go? When you when you when you when you've got a newborn baby, such as our distillery, uh, at the time we've never found any opportunity to to be able to go and enjoy ourselves and not be there. Yep. Um, and then, of course, there's there's other places we want to try and take our gin to Spain and Italy and things like that. So there's there's a few there's a few things like that. Then there's of course the US where we'd love to go, probably business wise. Um, but at the same time, we would love to go to whole Bourbon County top, you know, Kentucky top area and really enjoy ourselves and and see some of the big boys, you know, see see what's going on on the world stage. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, we've got uh, see so we've got product going to um, to the US uh, very shortly. Um, not not a lot, but it's just you know dipping the toe in the water. Um, yeah. And once that sort of gets over there, um, we definitely want to want to head over and, and follow that up with um, some uh, um, I guess a, um, I guess you'd say a bit of a um, a tour really. Sort of, you know, yeah, yeah, promotional tour. That's sort of really what mm. we'd like to do. Um, plus, it's a good excuse mm. to. Um, to have a holiday in the company dime. So, <laughs> but uh, so Tim, Terry, if you're watching this, uh, yeah, no, that's not yeah. what I, that's not what I meant. So, <laughs> so getting out no, there, it, promoting the story, a, promoting the brand. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot that we haven't seen that we'd love to see. So it might not all happen in 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 one go. But yeah, there's a there's a lot of plans to try and. Um, show our faces around the world and start getting known out there. We've had some other Tasmanian distillers that have not so much me, but Adams had conversation with, and he, Adams passed it on. And and um, it, it's been said that the only way to really get yourself known out there is you don't make phone calls and emails and expect somebody to say, "Oh yes, okay, look, you know, yeah, we'll take your product." You've got to get over there. You've got to really almost force yourself in. To these places and talk to people you've got to yeah. you've got to be yeah. known i mean and, and one of the yeah i mean i had a really good conversation with bill mchenry um uh, from mchenry Distillery just on on thursday last week and and he was having a, a um yeah he was the one that sort of really sort of drove home that you've just got to get boots on the ground if you want to sort of get your product overseas he's having some pretty good success from what he was saying in some of the european markets and um you know, and and that's sort of what uh, Adam and I are, are aiming for next is to um, you know take some of our products and and hit some of the appropriate markets. But at the same time, you also got to be smart. You know, you don't want to try and hit up ten markets when you've only got you know probably stock to uh, to adequately hit one or two. So we need to you know look at the ones that are going to be best for us to to meet who our brand is and what our brand is trying to say, uh, and then. Um, yeah, address that market, get in there, find the right people, try to build the right relationships, and and then take it to that to that next level, um, uh, which is you know n not that easy, but um, it is definitely the the next logical step. So that sounds exciting. I mean, you you've got some big challenges ahead. You know, you've you've got to get the the new distillery fired up and and producing, and then 
yeah, focus on these on these markets. So it's um, yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? It's yeah, no, it's gonna be, gonna be yeah. really good. So yep. Yeah, no, we're, cool. we're we're sort of stuck in in the middle um, when it comes to volumes at the moment. So prior to to the event in in 2021, we'd been ramping up production, but that's now going to have to last us until this new system comes online. So we've got a reasonable amount, but it's it's kind of it's too, too little for our our market that we're sort of maintaining at the moment, and probably the Australian market. But it's not really enough to be able to push hard and try and get a couple of good international deals happening. You know, we, we're kind of in that middle ground. So it's going to be it's going to be fun and games and some you know climbing some hurdles over the next couple of years, but. Should be fun to be able to have some samplers to be able to take around the world and hopefully gain some interest. Mm. Yeah, yeah it, it's one of the big challenges in brown spirits, isn't it? it yep. is, as you guys know, you lay a barrel. Um, yeah, you know, it's years before you know. Yeah, when when you when you can sell that product, so you're making decisions all yep. the time for the future, and the market changes, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah, that's good. All right, guys. Well, I think it's been good. I think we've covered off some really interesting topics. Yeah, it's been a great, uh, great discussion. Yeah, some I didn't think we'd again. Would you like to talk through our um, sponsors? Because we do. Yeah. Have okay. To... Yeah. You want to go through that? Lock yourself you can out. do it. You can do it, Todd. I can do it. Yeah, I can do it. Right, so, so we 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 do have the pleasure of having a number of people sponsor us, um, and we dearly hope that they will continue to sponsor us into the new financial year. Uh, we have Barrel Brokers, um, one of our few sponsors that actually would like your business. Um, Burns Welding Fabrication, fabric um, still manufacturers, and um, they are the ones that, that made our build. Yep. We've got we Y and Oak. Y and Oak, Andrew Young. Yep. Again, a great Cooper, great friend of ours, great knowledge base for anyone who wants to know anything about wood. As is um Transwood from Tassie. And yep. our water is supplied by Wild Wogan Natural Springs. Um, next alley across from Cabity. Yep. And if you're in our area, by all means, try try the water. It's fantastic. Labels are supplied by CCL, and our glass is supplied by Saber Glass. Again, we really do thank you for our our suppliers, our sponsors, and um, yeah, look forward to continuing to do this with them. Yeah. Cool. No, that, that's fantastic. You, you can't do these sort of things without uh, without the help. So it's great you've got uh, you got some good sponsors there. Yeah, no, no, we, we we're pretty pleased. Yeah, talked to a few of them, and uh, they said, yeah, well, yeah, it sounds interesting. We'll back it. So, um, and this started, uh, you know, during COVID, uh, talking to people in the industry. Uh, we've talked to a few internationals as well, which is always yeah. um, fascinating. Different uh, take on things. So, um, so yeah, Adam one and Adam two. Thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate Thanks, it. Guys. You enjoyed yourself, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Questions. Thanks for very much having us. 
no, you're more than welcome, guys. And we didn't uh, we didn't hear a lot about your whiskey though, Crafty. Say again. We didn't hear much about your whiskey. Okay. Oh. So, so the, the, this is very much about us giving back to the industry that we're part of and ah. not so much about um, Craftworks. Ah. So that, that's why we don't talk up our own business too much. <laughs> well, I, 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 haven't had, I haven't had much to do with your whiskey now for a little bit because we haven't been in, been in touch since sort of COVID. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting to still hear your story. Yeah, well, it's um, developed three mash bills. Uh, um, the original mash bill based on a stout. Second mash bill, uh, similar, but we dropped out the uh, chocolate malt. And then the third one, smoked uh, malt, where we actually used um, uh, wood shavings off the cooperage floor to smoke some malt. Oh. Uh, yeah, which nice. was, yeah, very, very tasty. Uh, didn't make a lot. And uh, we've only done one batch, and we're going to smoke it longer. Um, definitely just didn't retain that that, that smoke. Um, but yeah, still doing that, and still uh, still very very small. Still uh, you know doing various sorts of barrels, um, and um, yeah, one day at a time basically. <laughs> just uh, I, I, after this, I'm, I'm going to go and charge the still, uh, get ready for a a spirit run tomorrow morning. So, um, yeah, back on the tools. Sounds exciting. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. All right, guys, let you go. Thanks very much again. Sure. And we'll yeah. uh, we'll see you around the uh, spirits world, eh? Thanks for the chat. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, guys. And thanks for everyone who joined us. Yes, thanks for listening. So, Cheers. Thanks. <laughs>